Welcome to My Supernatural Vida. This is a podcast where I share the scriptures, breakthrough, healing, life lessons, and a bit of my favorite subject, the supernatural. I started this podcast because I knew that like me, there had to be others out there who thought that they might be crazy. Well, I'm here to tell you that you aren't crazy. You are supernatural. Let's be super together. We're here with Tommy John. We're going to be um, interviewing him and we're going to be all, he's going to be sharing with us his testimony of coming out of uh, the LGBTQ lifestyle and uh, how he is now walking in sunship. Um, it's an exciting time. As most of you guys know, um, I'm Maria Guajardo. I'm the host of My Supernatural Vida and, and I'm live obviously now in our private um, Facebook group. Um, I created this group in order to give the podcast, uh, my listeners, a safe place to come and ask questions and share about the things that they're experiencing with the supernatural and really just uh, for us to just become a community where we can talk about these things. And um, I decided a couple of weeks ago that we were going to start bringing stars on the podcast. And Tommy has had me several times on on his uh, platform to share my um my testimony. And I thought, you know what, I need to have him on here too, because I know Tommy has an amazing testimony. Um, as I mentioned earlier, he uh, came out of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, the Lord delivered him from that lifestyle and he is now walking in sonship. Um, I think that there's got to be a lot behind the scenes that maybe sometimes you don't, you don't share, people don't talk about, or, you know, things that we can only imagine of what it's like to transition, you know, from, from that lifestyle over to, you know, walking in identity now and uh, what that was like. So I think today we're going to satisfy our curiosities by asking you some of these questions. And I hope, uh, I hope you don't mind answering for us. I'm going to go ahead and give uh, the mic over to Tommy and ask him to introduce himself and let us know, let us know, Tommy, what you're doing, what you're up to right now. Um, and just take us on a on a rewind of like where the Lord started you from and you know what that was like. Hey everybody, my name is Tommy John. I am from Fresno, California. I definitely want to thank Maria again for having me on today. It's definitely a privilege and an honor to be on her on her private Facebook group with all you guys as well. Some of you guys I may have know, I may have, I may know, but if I don't know you, I am Tommy John. So just a little bit about myself. I'm from Fresno, California. I grew up, I was grown, I grew up and I was raised in California. But um, I definitely want to give you a short, uh, short snippet of my testimony. Um, I did come out of an LGBTQ lifestyle, but I grew up in a large family of 10 um, brothers and sisters all together. We were a blended family. It was very mixed. Um, there was a lot of stuff going behind the scenes. Um, there was a lot of uh, abusiveness sexual activities that were going on. Um, but me personally, I was eyewitnessing all this stuff, especially at a young as a young child. I was witnessing all these things that kind of got into a place where I wanted to interact with these things. As a young child, we began to get curious of the things that we're seeing, the things that we're witnessing. So we're very, as children, we can be very um, persuaded into doing certain things. So in regards to this, um, not only was I the youngest, I'm the baby of the family, but I was always very sensitive. I was always um, always to myself. I was always close to my mother and my sisters. 
Um, and again, with that alone, just spending time with a lot of females, majority of my time, you kind of take on some characteristics. And, and I think, and I don't, I, I would like to say that although I was taking on characteristics um, of my, my mother and my sister of femininity, uh, I think that's what society today is like that towards our kids, our nieces and nephews, because they, maybe they like, uh, let's just say, um, stuff that are not manly that we would consider manly like football, you know, because they want to join like the band or they want to do something. And we, and we kind of deem that as not being masculine and therefore we label them and place names on them. So I kind of feel like that kind of played a part in my life as well. Um, I was never the sporty kid. Um, I really didn't have a lot of friends growing up in, in grade school. So not only was I feminine and in a sense of my my gesturing, not even realize how I was moving, how I was acting. I'm a little kid. You don't have a grid for that. But other kids saw it and it, it became a target on my back to either say certain things in regards to me, name calling, faggot, gay, all this, all these things you can say to a young child. And, th- and I'm dealing with grade school now. Yeah. So it was kind of hard for me to actually socialize, especially all the stuff that I was already witnessing in my own home. You know, mm. I did little traumatic events of my mom and dad fighting all this stuff. Really did a number on me. It could do a number on kids. So, and that that kind of stopped me from speaking to a lot of people. So it left a target on my back. And um, and literally, it was like that literally all the way until um, middle school. So although oh. I had these encounters um, regarding, um, when I say I had these encounters with other boys when I was younger, um, I really didn't know the language of it because then we didn't have mm-hmm. a language of like the LGBTQ plus yeah. P. We didn't have all those letters <laughs> in regards to, <laughs> I say that now because it's funny because they just keep adding new stuff. Yes. But um, we didn't have all that stuff back then and I didn't have a grid for gay or lesbian. I just didn't have the language for it. So hearing mm-hmm. calls that towards me, I didn't really understand it. I didn't know what they were saying. Um, and but I knew when I was younger, I always had uh, an attraction to other boys. Yeah, I always knew I had an attraction to other boys. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was. But gradually, as I got older, I started to recognize certain things of what certain words were, what they meant, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, um, dealing with all that, I will now. I'm already like 13, 14 years old, already questioning my sexuality. Not only that, but I'm dealing with all my testosterone. I'm dealing with my hormones. You know, I'm coming mm-hmm. into hormones, and not only that, I didn't know Jesus. Um, I did grow up, and when I say I grew up, I didn't attend church every Sunday. That wasn't a, a thing for me. Um, I remember when I was younger, my parents, because we lived in a household full of children, and my mother and my father really wanted to get rid of us because we were just like, oh my the, god, the how many siblings is is, is um, y'all together? Together that were in the house, including me. Oh wow. So. Um, they wanted to get rid of us quick. They were just like, we, we want some time for ourselves, and they just sent us to church. But thank God for the for the storefront church because it was it was a it was a church, a Caucasian church, that was so full of love, that loved on us kids, that didn't really have anything. We we grew up literally on food stamps, welfare, all that stuff. So, but these people took us in, and we we definitely we understood. It was a different atmosphere when we went into this building. It was yeah. not what we were used to. We definitely felt loved. So that I feel like those were all the markings of of knowing who God was. Mm. From there, knowing who God was, and, and gradually when I started getting older. So there was times where I did ch- attend churches 
um, with my family um, as I started getting older at the age of 13, 14, before I started going into any type of lifestyle. But again, with the name calling at school and middle school, that kind of kind of grew and progressed. Um, and honestly, I kind of started, didn't really want to go to school anymore. Um, I started teaching yeah. school. It was, it was kind of, it was kind of, why would you want to go yeah. to a place where you're constantly attacked? Right. That was my, thing. Yeah. so I end up leaving and I started, started ditching school, started hanging out with cousins and, and just running away from home and stuff. Um, I remember I got caught up with, um, really, um, doing cocaine at the age of 13. Mm. Oh my goodness. How were you introduced to that? So gradually, so when I started, when I started Gigi school, I started hanging out with um, my family. So mm -hmm. there were other females. Um, they mm -hmm. were maybe like 16. They were only like a few years older than me. So they're young as well, but they had their boyfriends and whatnot and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And their boyfriends had cousins who were older that they were um, drinking and stuff like that. So it was there. It wasn't like, hey, let's do this. And like, you know, like peer pressure. There was no peer pressure. Mm -hmm. It was just like, it's there. Just do it. So yeah. it was the thing where I just, okay, literally, um, they just left like, a, well, in my terminology, what I use, they left like a 16th, which is like a big size rock just mm -hmm. there for me to do. And I just, oh did my it. goodness. So, so there were, those were those things, those opportunities where I kind of like led into, never mm -hmm. really placed it. It was just access. It was just access. Yeah. Yeah. And then you had the exposure to it. So it's like, who's going to tell me no, you know? Yeah. Well, because wow. I grew, I grew up in, I grew up in a family that was already drinking, that was smoking weed. I mean, yeah. uh, to be honest, if we if we go back, I remember when, I'm not gonna say who, which brother it was, but one of my brothers, and I'm young, and I, I laugh about it because I'm like, what was I thinking? Like again, I didn't know any better. I was a young child, but they were they were uh, underage as well. But I remember getting high off weed when I was in, I want to say third grade. Oh my goodness! In third grade. In third grade, yeah. I remember getting high off weed. And it was one of my brothers that uh, kind of introduced me to me. They introduced that to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, but to be honest, after that, it, it, weed was never really my thing. I, I encountered it, um, all that stuff. So it was, it was already there. Yeah. All that stuff was already there. Like, but um, like kind of going fast forwarding into doing the whole cocaine stuff, it kind of progressed into actually doing, I did rock rock i did um at that time back then it was called crank and i was on that for many years it's like it's like a lower level crystal meth but it was very potent so oh, in wow. most in that during that time i lost a lot of weight although i was i was i was always solid when i was younger but at this time i did lose a lot of weight during this um during yeah. this um doing that because of this particular drug what it does it actually it's the same as crystal meth uh crystal meth is more of in a sense, it's not cut with a lot of other chemicals, so it's like yeah, clean. it's like clean. So they say, really, it's yeah. not. But yeah, it's all the same. <laughs> yeah. So um, what it did was actually kept me up for several days, like the longest oh I've ever been up, like without sleep, were at least six days. Six days yeah. top, no sleep, um, not eating, not drinking. Pretty much, I was on a, I was on this spiritual fast, <laughs> not even knowing I was fasting, not even knowing. Yeah. So. I'm over here not eating, sleeping, drinking, you know, all this stuff, but I'm seeing stuff. Um, oh my goodness. Stuff. I'm seeing demonic things. I'm seeing shadows. I'm yeah. hearing things and constantly like flickering over like who's, what's, what's over there, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, that was my life during all that time. But in that moment, in those times, uh, during those drugs time, it kind of opened up a gateway for perversion to come even, even more greater. 
because now I'm 13, 14, 15, going into those ages, I started going into, um, which um, many of you guys may know, maybe you guys might not know, but in California, we had this thing called the chat line. It was actually where oh. you're able to jump on the uh, the phone and actually interact with like massive different types of people in different rooms. Um, so I would get on there and just communicate with people. Now then, my voice was very very soft. Uh, even when I was talking normal, people didn't know people didn't know it was a guy. Oh that my was goodness! It. So it was very soft, and there was times where I kind of up pitched my voice to where it kind of mm. got softer. So mm-hmm. I was I was I I, I was kind of where I was working it. I was just on there just yeah. working. I was doing what I was comfortable doing, right? <laughs> See, Abby knows. <laughs> the chat line. Oh, the chat oh line. that all of a sudden, uh, that that Drake song makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so, <laughs> I used no, to you, listen to Drake. <laughs> no, but it kind it it kind of progressed in that dealing with the challenge because now I'm over here tricking folks, and not, I mean that wasn't my intention, like talking to dudes, like doing all that stuff. But however, bypassing all that other stuff. Um, I said this a few times and never really got on this, but I remember, um, I met a few friends on there and who were, um, in the lifestyle at this time, I was not really, didn't say anything. Um, um, I wasn't really dressing up, but there was a time and point where I did have a conversation with my mother because I was still dealing with my sexuality mm-hmm. and actually on the breaks of actually just coming out. This is it. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm over to all the voices that said, oh, you're a faggot, you're gay, all that stuff, mm. really giving over to the, the thoughts. And yeah. not only that, but what I was feeling inside. Yeah. So um, I remember telling my mom, I was tell- I remember told her, I pulled her to the kitchen, I was telling her, mom, I think I'm bisexual. Now I use, I use bisexual as like the lesser evil. I was going to say that, like you're just trying to soften up the, yeah. the blow. So yeah. my, my mom and she just went straight up saying, you know, you're in denial. <laughs> like wow. you're in denial. You're in denial. And she used the words that she could only use at that time. Yeah. You know, she wasn't in church at that time. And she knew of church. She was attending church prior to that, but she had backslidden. Uh-huh. So at this time she so she knew what it was. So yeah. she's like, No, this is not it, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Um, well, cats out of the bag. I said what I said. From that point, I started shaving off my eyebrows. Um, I remember at the age of 16. Um, being on chat lane, meeting friends, all that stuff. I was already attending gay clubs. I was already oh attending goodness, gay yeah. clubs at the age of 16. And um, going in nightclubs yeah. and stuff like that. And them not even carding me. So those are those things that we worry about, especially too, um, yeah. um, when it comes to the LGBTQ community. And it's just not labeling all of them as um, as deemed as they're bad people or not. There's some really cool people. They're they're real cool, genuine people that really need uh, that really need, they all need Jesus, but mm-hmm. then you got the other other people. They got the other ones um, that sometimes deal with stuff like that. You know, letting young kids come in, doing all that different types of stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just not just with LGBT in general. Like it's just, they're just given the access to yeah. to all the things. Or um, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's kind of like a um, like a free pass. You know, what yeah. I mean? oh, you're a, like a membership kind of thing you know wow because in that moment when because we we called it the gay scene so every every weekend after the club everybody will meet at the circle k it was just like this regular um gas station liquor store everybody all of them will meet out there and they would just all pull up there and just buy their beer or whatever so um i had a lot of i had a lot of issues with a lot of people a lot of people didn't like me so mm-hmm. i was always constantly i was always in constant fights mm-hmm. um i just 
which was really weird on my end because I never really wanted to associate myself with the LGBTQ and I never really did. Mm. Um, I just, I couldn't honestly, to be honest, I couldn't tolerate them. Yeah. I, it's as yeah. weird as it sounds, as me living the life as one of them, I just didn't want to be a part of them. Like I yeah. didn't want no association with them. I thought they were embarrassing to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I get I get what you're saying. It's kind and, of, it's and like, I heard somebody else talking about this early uh, earlier this week. I'm trying to remember, it was probably some YouTube video, but pretty much this gentleman was saying that, and he's he was still in the lifestyle, but he was sharing that um, that they don't, you know, most uh, people, you know, in, the, in that lifestyle, LGBTQ or, or whatever. I don't know, even know all the acronyms now, but um, some of them just want to have normal lives. They they just identify as the opposite sex, right? But they just want to have a normal life like everybody else, like right? Like the louder majority is not actually the voice for those who are the true major, my, uh, majority in that lifestyle, right? And so yeah. I wonder how much of that influences um, the, I guess, others decisions to go that route right to not challenge the idea that they might be gay right yeah. so it's like they might be doubting or they might have might be even questioning not really know much about sexuality but then they see the you know the in your face kind of um you know advertisement and media you know what they do with with this lifestyle the glamorizing of something that's really not meant to be glamorous um how much that influences those on the fence deciding on just going all the way in. Right. And then later, obviously make having regrets. Right. Um, so that's a really good point that you made. I'm glad you said that is that you really didn't want to have any much to do with it. Right. Um, and I think that that kind of speaks to the part of you. Cause I remember watching your, um, your um, interview on seven under club where you mentioned that there was something internally inside of you that you always knew was wrong. Right. And so I feel like that part of you was was kind of what was speaking to you, right? Like, this is not right. I'm really not trying to bring that much attention to it. You know what I mean? Or does that make sense? Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. Um, the Bible mentions, too, that the Lord had written the law upon our hearts. And this is a thing. This is a thing, too, when it comes to stuff like that. I kind of knew what it was. And this is where um, people who are struggling and the ones that are always the ones that struggle with coming out and they're like, I'm afraid what people are going to say about me. I don't want to. And they really feel all that turmoil. That's what that is. It's their moral instincts. Let it yeah. know this is wrong. Yeah. This is not what. It, and they war and war and fight with it and fight with it until yeah. they just give in. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so I didn't want to, I did really, really want to identify when really none of it, because not only that, because I was getting in like a lot of fights, it got, it got old real quick. Yeah. But um, the drugs started progressing. I started dressing as a female now. You know, when I was dressing as a female, I got a lot of compliments and that really, mm -hmm. yeah, pretty much, I got a lot of compliments on it. You look like a girl, you looked all this. So kind of put on, uh, it kind of really boosted my ego in yeah. that where I kind of like started going into that. Although I always knew I was feminine thinking like, this is what it is. Maybe I was always supposed to be a girl. Maybe mm. it's always should have been like this. Now I'm the mistake. You know, I'm, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a guy trapped in a, in a woman's body. Those type of thoughts, right? Yeah. So I started um, dressing up um, a lot of compliments. And honestly, at a very young age, I'm, I'm already on the streets. Yeah. Um, on the streets, I'm talking about prostitution at the age of 16, 17 years old. 
Wow. And um, and not really knowing like, hey, this is wrong. It's just like, no, now I have an opportunity that, that I love looking the part. I'm out there doing my thing. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and led into a place. Now I'm doing crystal meth. I remember going to, I started getting involved with, um, now I'm a little older. I started getting involved in um, doing, um, what is it? I'm taking estrogen, um, mm. estrogen shots. Now estrogen shots, for those who may not know, the ladies may know because you guys have estrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, for males that don't have estrogen are people, I believe they give them to people who go through menopause as well. Um, okay. I, I believe I believe they do or get their, I'm dealing with their uterus taken out. I think when they get their uterus taken out, I think they give them estrogen to whatever, whatever reason. Well, estrogen, yeah. um, if a male is taking it, it's actually counteracting um, their testosterone, but it's right. a- enabling them to actually grow breasts. Um, yeah. So to a certain a certain amount, they won't get massive, yeah. but they'll grow somewhat. Yeah. Now, um, the reason that that takes place, it builds like fatty tissue behind the breast. So when mm. if they go that next step to get breast oh, breast, wow. there will be some extra room to actually make them bigger instead of yeah. if they're flat chested and it's hard to puts anything in it but anyways yeah um so i was taking i was taking estrogen for uh quite some time and actually taking shots and and these were over the counter these are over the counter this is this is not a doctor visit this is not oh you've been labeled as transgender see this is the thing when i share my testimony and i post i forgot who posted something of my recent testimony on 700 club and one of the comments came through was dealing with scientific well, did you see mm-hmm. a doctor? Did they did they label you as transgender? You know, I believe that you got delivered from drugs, but I'm not really buying the whole, you know, del- Lord delivering you from that place. Um, see, so those are those things, you know, that's why those yeah. things, people can choose to believe the testimony or not. That's totally up to them. My thing is give Jesus a try and let yeah. him sort that out, right? Let well, him- the thing is too, like they're they're mixing the the scientific with the spiritual, and yeah. it's like I mean, you could die and your bones will still tell us that you're a male, right? Yeah. And so it's like, well, there you have that, right? How, how can you try to uh, prove scientifically, you know, that you're confused? It's it's a, um, it's not something, it's not a tangible thing, right? It's a, it's a mind, uh, you know, issue. And so, you know, a soul level uh, situation. So how are you <laughs> going to prove that scientifically? You know what I mean? It's like... I mean, next to just too graphic for me to keep going with the rest, but it's like, I think people who want to be in, in denial, um, choose to stay that way because it's more comfortable. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think, and this was pivotal in your transformation and like in, in your deliverance is that you chose that you didn't want that anymore. Right. And so, um, I think that for any, for any a situation that matter, right? Any type of uh, confusion or spirit we're dealing with, the decision um, factor or the the change factor isn't us deciding like, wait a minute, this is not how it's supposed to be, right? Like, yeah, right. So anyway, sorry, I interrupted you there with that. Oh but. no, you're no, because I was actually looking for a scripture in regards to um, King David. If anybody's on the chat, maybe you guys could put it up there. It's King David. He says. In my mother's womb, I was knitted. In, I was knitted into iniquity, right? And we're talking about generational curses, and we're talking mm-hmm. about things that were lingering on. So, you know, a lot of people always say, "Well, I was born this way. I was born gay. I was born." Could it be that they may have been, and this is something that's just generational that's passing through? 
Mm-hmm. We look at the scripture, we look at King David saying a scripture like that, right? When we look at the life, the life of King David and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. if, can it be valid that they say something like that? Possibly, maybe. Mm-hmm. But we see Jesus um, saying in um, John chapter three that you must be born again. Mm-hmm. So it counteracts what it, it counteracts what people might believe mm-hmm. to be true that folks might be born like that. Because when I look mm-hmm. at and the reason why I say this is plausible, could it be? We'll never we'll never know. But I can I can honestly say from when I was younger, I don't know how this started. Yeah, I don't know where it stemmed from. I can't I can't blame it on an action because I saw something. Was something always there? Can it have been a part of that? Yeah, yeah. I think it could have been an indicator that actually push me into that now that I'm witnessing. Mm-hmm. It. So those are those things um, that I'm still, I'm still seeking the Lord about like, those personal things. And yeah. Stuff like that. Well, I, um, I was thinking this, like, could it have been something that you were born with? Well, like if we don't even have to go all the way back there. It's like, we, yeah. if we, we reroute to what you were telling us about your, how it began for you, there was um, instability in your home. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if, even if we just look at that, we can say, you know what, it could be that, right? And a lot of the issues, and not that's not not just gender confusion, but um, you know the crime rates and and the dropout rates and all this stuff that's going that our country is facing that not a lot of people talk about have to do with the home, right? The foundation of the home where there's a missing father or um, there's a father there who's not present, right? So it's like. Yeah, they have, I mean, they have a dad, he provides, but he's not there emotionally available, or he's not actually present in their lives. So that part is always going to be missing. Or, you know, it's hard to make up for that time, right? And yeah. I was reading somewhere where like, the a, a child's, um, you know, brain is like 90% done Absolutely. by the age of five, yeah, or something like that. And yeah, once you get to like, nine, 10, you know, that's forget about it. Now it's been molded, right? Hmm. So it's like, we could say that like, oh yeah, you know, there might be a generational situation, but then there's also, um, you know, the component where what, your home just one generation back was yeah. not well balanced. So, um, anyway, that's me. Going no, that's definitely, that's definitely, inter- that's, you know, that's definitely, that's definitely a good, uh, a good aspect of that too, because yeah, it can be. And the reason why too, those questions do arise too, because there's some family members that do have kids that come out like that and they've been in church all their life and their homes were great and you know Mm -hmm. and their children are suffering so it's like none of that was really introduced to them so how did this thing come about right yeah those are those things those are those those questions it's like well how did that how does that happen and the thing is too well we don't know what friend's house they go to oh my gosh that's so true what friend's house they go to you know i was talking about i was talking to one Mm -hmm. of my coworkers today and they were mentioning something of something happened to their daughter uh, at school. And her daughter is in like grade school. I guess a little boy had kissed her on the lips, and um, whatever. And the mom was kind of my friend was kind of upset about that because the teachers didn't tell her, the teachers didn't say that, but the, she heard it from her daughter. And you know, and she, and it's like wow. those, those are those things that need to be addressed. Although it's again, too, we look at it, it's like people see it as innocent, but we don't know like what happened. Let's just say I don't know how the little boy's um, family lived. Are, is living yeah. and what he's witnessing and all that other stuff. So those mm-hmm. are those things too. As a as per, per, parents, they have to take the initiatives to step in in regards to however they're going to deal with that, and mm-hmm. and whatever they feel comfortable with. And whether if my friend had been in through anything in her younger childhood, and she does not have a relationship with the Lord, she may respond differently. 
she yeah. may respond differently like you know that happened to me that stuff or whatever the case may be but i'm um, dealing with the whole um getting the um the hormones dealing with the yeah <laughs> with that. over the counter at um at the what is it called um botanicas oh because okay i'm glad you clarified that because i was like Okay, I can't go over the counter right now, like yeah. CVS, and, and buy some estrogen. I need a prescription. You know, maybe back then it would have been different, but still. Where did you get? Okay, you botanicas, yes. They they will give you just about anything. <laughs> you just show up with a fever and here you go. You know, or you show up. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. So the botanicas, they just had their candles, all that stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And, just, and honestly, I just, it was in a Mexican location. I'm just like, okay, well, let me just drop my little mm-hmm. $15, $20 there and boom, just a shot each week, whatever. But, um, wow. but leading all that, there was an encounter I had, um, again, girl, my mom knew of the Lord, all that stuff. She's, um, she had vaccine and came back, you know, just, you know, life, right. And not, not, the, but as far as in her life, I really don't want to go in her story, but she would always instill in me too, because I was always having encounters like um, demonic encounters, nightmares, night terrors, all this stuff, hearing voices. Now I'm seeing things, all this other stuff. But she would always tell me, turn on the church channel or turn on Christian radio or turn on something, right? So one night I'm I'm already induced with um, dealing with um, hormones and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So my my testosterone and and the estrogen were kind of like, I was felt like I was going through cold sweats. I was having cold sweats, night sweats, all that stuff in the nighttime. So I remember waking up because I had this dream. I don't recall the dream, but I knew I knew it was a nightmare. I ended up waking up and I turned on the church channel. And I remember looking at this. It was someone telling someone's testimony of a man that went to hell and back. The Lord took them to hell and back to let them know that he didn't create mm-hmm. them to be a, a woman, but he created them to be a man. It had to do with a, tra- a transgender individual. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find that testimony at all. I thought it was the 700 Club. It could have been CBN. I don't know where it came from. But I knew what I saw that day. Mm-hmm. So now the whole thing with that, did it, it, it changed, it, it detoured me from mutilating my body because I, literally I was on my way to go get um, breast implants. I was on my oh way to make implants to move out that way, all that stuff. So it yeah. detoured me from mutilating my body. I stopped taking estrogen. I just stopped doing it. I didn't get involved with it anymore. So I just left it alone. And from, But I kept living the lifestyle. I kept living the lifestyle, but it detoured me. But thank God he, it did what it did. Yeah. And then um, I remember um, one night, and just this going into my just my the, the um, how I met the Lord, and yeah. really because now I'm I've been dealing with a whole lot of oppression. This yeah. is what I'm dealing with. I was just dealing with a whole lot of oppression, um, having uh, supernatural encounters. They're very dark. Um, so this one night, it was on May 9th. I remember it was at my apartment, and um, my sister and my brother were here, and we just had. Um, the night before we were getting high as usual, I was tired. I would get so high off crystal meth that's supposed to supposed to keep me up. Where I would do it so much, I would I just couldn't stay I up. Just, yeah. I would get high and fall back to sleep. Get high and fall back to sleep, and mm-hmm. my body was just like immune to it. And I remember um, I was already coming up and just waking up from that. And then we started to do it all over again because that's what it was. I was doing this thing at least five days, six days a week from all the way from 14 years old all the way until I was 28 until my encounter so I um I remember uh my brother came over he asked me if I want to get high me and my sister said yeah let's get high let's do whatever do life again whatever so um he asked me if I wanted to get high off off weed too and I'm like well shoot it's here might as well so I remember getting high so again too they thought 
that I flipped my wig because as soon as I started getting high on drugs, I, I flipped out. Like I was like, but they thought I flipped out. But what happened was God literally lifted the veil off me and I was going into another supernatural encounter. I was very impressive. I was seeing all this stuff, but I was on the brinks. I uh, was on the I was on the brinks of breakthrough. So, mm-hmm. so what happened was that I ended up kicking my brother out. Like you gotta go. I called my mom. I was like, "Mom, you need to pray for me and my sister." Now, again, I'm totally off. Like I'm thinking my sister is like demon possessed, and this mm-hmm. demon possessed. I remember grabbing a chair and holding my sister down. I was holding oh, her down, and she's just looking at me like she's all scared. But I'm thinking yeah. she got a demon in her. I'm like, "Mom, you." Need to pray. <laughs> thing out and to be honest this is what i'm thinking and and not realizing that i was having i was uh, dealing, i don't know what i was dealing with but anyways um when you weren't high anymore you were still high no i was i don't i, I know i was high because i started i was getting high all this yeah. is taking place while i'm high yeah. and then um so my mom prayed for us she, she couldn't do anything so um i apparently she said my dad because my dad came to pick me up but in this moment when my dad came to pick me up, there was a little bit more details into this, but I just want to get to the main the main facts of uh, mm-hmm. what happened. My dad came to pick me up. I remember I was outside my front porch. And um, at this point, at this point, I couldn't see anymore. I couldn't oh. see anymore. I completely, I completely went blind. I couldn't oh. tell you how I walked from my house to um, my walkway all the way to the car. I can't tell you what the roads look like. I can't, I can't see anything. I can't mm-hmm. see anything. And the only thing, the only reason why I... I'll come back to why I couldn't see anything, but I ended up going to my mother's house. And um, I remember on the drive home that I could feel all these hands on me. I'm mm. feeling all these hands because the night before I was already feeling hands on my shoulders and I felt burning sensation. Like my, my muscles were being twisted. Like mm. if things were in my muscles, I was being oppressed. So I was dealing with it physically. I could feel it physically. Mm-hmm. My body was I'm going into my parents' house, feeling all these hands over me. I remember laying with my mom and I told my mom to pray for me. She prayed for me for a long time. My dad went in his room. So I was crying my eyes out for like at least a good four hours. My dad oh my came goodness. out of the room like, what the hell is he crying for? My dad didn't mm-hmm. know what was taking place, but my mom yeah. was like, he's, he, you know, leave him alone. He's fine, whatever. So mm-hmm. my mom did what she can do. My mom did yeah. what she can do began to pray. And I remember telling my mom specifically, mom, I feel like I'm going to get possessed. I felt like I'm gonna get possessed. Not even, not even realizing because I didn't have the language for it that I was yeah. already manifesting. Yeah, yeah. Something was I'm manifesting. I didn't have language for it. I just knew something was happening. And mm-hmm. um, so she was praying that thing was happening. So I remember getting off the couch and go with her because I was laying on her lap and going to the other couch. I came to the place where I had to make the decision to come to the end of myself. This, my mom couldn't do anything anymore. The oppression of me feeling all the hands, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I couldn't deal with it. It was so much that to where all I knew was to repent. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what mm-hmm. repentance was. I didn't know what that looked like. I went mm-hmm. to church. I did altar calls. But I guess those little fragments of um, yeah. memories came through for me. Yeah. That's what I needed to do in that those moment. Those seeds began to sprout at that moment. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I'm, I'm, I remember I'm laying on my back, still can't see. I remember just crying out to God and just telling him that I was sorry for um, living a homosexual lifestyle. I'm sorry for the way I treated my mother and my father. I'm sorry that I embarrassed everybody. I'm sorry for all the stuff. So all these things just started coming out. I apologize. I, you know, just apologizing to God. And the thing, as soon as that happened, I remember that my mouth opened so wide where I began to take deep yawn breaths, like exhales just kept Mm -hmm. coming out. And as I as I was exhaling, there was like so much massive air coming mm. out of me. 
So I knew there was like seven breaths that I it mm-hmm. exhaled out. I was just like releasing, releasing. Now the thing is now I know better that I was releasing spirits that I was housing because in my lifestyle, I told you that um, I told, um, I shared with you dealing with that. I not only did I prostitute, not only did I go on chat lines, not only did I meet, uh, meet people on Craigslist and all mm-hmm. these back pages, websites, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I had different names. I went by different alter egos. I was uh, going to say that. That's like, um, what do they call that? Uh, split personality or something like that. Multiple personality disorder. I think they re- they've renamed it now. It's like something DD or IDD or something. Like that. Anyway, um, yeah, that's that's wild though, because like it's like each one of them was was a spirit. Hmm. Man, and people don't believe this stuff. Like to me, I think it's like you have to live it and you have to see it and. You know what I mean? To to get it. You know, I mean, this, you know, Paul to uh, uh, Paul, right? Saul to Paul encounters, right? Where he literally had to get, you know, hit on the road, right? Like the Lord had to meet him there, present himself to really wake him up. And like, don't you get it? You know what I mean? Like you're looking at it. We've told you about it. You've heard about it. You've here I am like, wake up. This, this is real. Right. And so I think it's so, um, I'm just thinking about the stuff that people could be thinking as you're sharing your testimony, right. Where they're like, oh, this isn't real. Or like, oh, you know, this can't really happen. Yes, it can. It's, it is so real. Like, oh, anyway, keep going. (laughs) Yeah. So like with the, like what you're saying right there, because I would, that's exactly what it was. It was, it was a road to Damascus experience. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, um, after I released what I did and what the Lord was doing with me in that moment, um, I remember I ended up falling asleep. I I mean, I cried my eyes out. Like, I feel like, I don't know how long I was crying. I was crying. And I remember waking up and I shared this. So I share, it's like a I remember waking up and I felt so clean. Like somebody just gutted me out spiritually. Like they just cleaned my whole soul out. Like it's a clean, I can't even explain. It's so yeah. clean that I felt inside, not a shower clean. No, this is in, in, internal cleaning that yeah. took place in my in, in my house, like in my house, in my heart, everything, yeah. in my mind, everything. I woke up and I began to realize like if, like if I've been duped, really like i'm not being duped i was just like i can't believe i did that like it's like i came to myself and realized oh my god you saw everything i can't believe i did that on the streets i can't believe i did all that stuff and there was so much um remorse for it there was so much remorse for it like Mm -hmm. oh my god like i just came to an people say an epiphany i just came to my senses and realized oh my god what the heck did i just do and it's like in that Mm -hmm. moment i'm like oh man so I remember um, at this time, my hair is long. I now have natural hair. My hair is already in, like above my butt, all that stuff. I had to go through my process. But yeah. that was my encounter with the Lord. But going back to when I told you I went blind and I couldn't see oh. anymore. So my, again, my sister was there. So yeah. when I left, she stood there. She stood there. And um, uh, months later, I asked my sister, I was like, what did you see? Because me and my sister had several encounters where we were doing drugs together that we were hearing the same demonic thing. Like wow. we were so in tune to each other that we were hearing and seeing the same thing. Wow. So I asked her, I go, when did you see that night when um, when all that took place when I left? 
at this time, I, I remember I was sharing with you, I was blind. She's like, all yeah. I saw, all I saw over you was a bright white light. Wow. <laughs> was wow. a bright white light. And again, and it's not, it's not a coincidence that you mentioned Saul to Paul because that's yeah. exactly what happened when Jesus showed up. He came yeah. in a bright white, he came in a bright light that blinded yeah. Paul. So my, so my road to Damascus, because I couldn't remember anything home, and yeah. so I came into that place where I came into the Lord, where he began to cleanse me. And now I was able to see clearly. I was yeah. able to see clearly. And the thing is, it's like I was seeing clearly in color for the first time when I came to. Yeah. Like That's... I was seeing in color. And it was like, it was like a whole brand new world. And I, again, the remorse, mm -hmm. I had to go through my, the process. I had to go through the transition because yeah. I lived 20 years of this life. I, and it's wow, like, you were 28. yeah, so I was 28 years old when I gave my life to the Lord in that moment. Um, there was stuff that happened afterwards, according to that. But I mean, I, as far as in how the transition yeah. to this, but yeah, that was so, that was, man, that's like, I can't imagine like having lived, I mean, you know, you, most of you have heard my testimony and it was hell for, you know, a couple of years or a few years, right? I mean, there was a lot of stuff in between, but like hell, hell, you know, when I was really sick. But I think about you, like, it's just, it's a different thing because you weren't like uh, physically sick, but you were technically, yeah, because you had an addiction, right? Like you were, you know, addicted to drugs, right? You were doing drugs and then um, you were prostituting yourself and then you were, you know, at the same time transitioning. So it's like, I don't know how to say it. I'm not trying to say that being gender confused is a disease, but I mean, if you, we separated dis-ease, it's like there is a dis-ease because you don't have an ease in your soul, right? Mm -hmm. To like, to where like you can rest there, right? If we look at all those things, all these activities, you know, all of them were, really just your soul trying to find rest somewhere and you know in someone right um so it's like in a sense I, I do believe it it could be you know a disease because you weren't just gender confused right where you're like you know I'm attracted to men and I don't know what to do with this no you were you were out there you were living all kinds of lives <laughs> seven <laughs> lives you know what I'm saying like yeah, oh, that's long cat. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, and there's, there's so many facets to it and everybody's experience is different and everybody, you know, I, you know, I don't say, we don't say any of this and we don't share any of this to judge, right? Because as we can see with what Tommy just shared is that, um, there is, there is, um, sadness in this as we witness these things, Right you didn't realize until you had that experience where you were opened up and then you saw, right? Like, oh my God, I can't believe I've been doing this and this has been my life. Like you could see it from a different lens, right? From a clean lens, um, you know, but somebody who's going through it right now, they might not even be thinking, I want to change. Like this is it for them. You know what I mean? And so I forgot where I was going with that, but. <laughs> no, I would, I would kind of say that too, like, because, um, the, those are those things because it is when, when you when you look at it and this is why I pray that their eyes be open that they may see that they yeah. may see because again to those people may not be on drugs like I was on drugs and live yeah. the life and still think it's okay and normal until they have that encounter yeah yeah it's very true oh my goodness Tommy like 
and every time I hear your story, it's like I get um, like I get a new like piece and a new understanding, you know, for this. And um, you know, we can pin it on so many different things of what the root was or why it started. Uh, but what's important is how it's going, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so now you have uh, transitioned into walking in sonship, you know, being a Christian. But I don't imagine that, although your deliverance was, um, you know, very supernatural, I don't imagine that from one day to another, your life changed and you're just, you know, walking in the clouds and you're like, yeah, I'm a man now and all this. What was the transition like? And um, how did people begin to treat you? How did you begin affirming your, you know, your true identity? To those who knew you in a different way honestly I, and this is um this is my heart i love talking about this especially now i know who i am in christ right mm-hmm. and when you know who you are in your christ you don't sit there and second guess anything it's just yeah. like if anybody else has anything to say it kind of just rolls off your back but in the, and, and especially in my my process out of that now again my hair was long i had to go through the process like, obviously i wasn't taking hormones so i didn't really completely go there when in regards to with breasts all that stuff um, but I do have friends that actually are out there in Vegas who are actually doing all that stuff. And the, that's where my heart is for to keep praying for them. Although they already went through the process of getting breast implants, all that stuff. Um, um, anyways, but as far as in my transition is that um, I remember I was on my, I was, I was attending church. I would attend, I was attending church because at this moment when I came to myself and realized, oh my God, I can't believe I did what I did. I automatically want didn't want to dress like a girl anymore. I remember yeah. going shopping. I remember going shopping, but I was so comfortable with wearing tight pants, tops, all this other stuff. Like it was so comfortable because that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. So going to the store, I had to dress like how I used to to go get new clothes. Yeah. I, like, yeah. <laughs> I and it, I felt so like I was crawling out of my skin because I was so embarrassed. And it was so sad because I remember walking in there and somebody's like, is that Tommy? because it was an old friend i'm like oh my god i felt so embarrassed i was like let me hurry up and get these clothes and get out i had to i i wasn't i was so embarrassed because my hair is long i'm my i I just felt so embarrassed but um i remember going to get clothes and i was going to church and i would wear my uh, ponytail i was always Mm -hmm. wearing a ponytail and i have it like wrapped in a bun or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, just to show respect to the church and not really do that that was never really Mm -hmm. my thing when i was living my life as a woman because that was that's what it was Mm-hmm. I was living my life, my life as a woman. I never really made anybody tell me to call me a woman. Mm-hmm. And when my nieces and nephews would see me, I would tell them to get away from me. Don't look at me. Go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I never really tried to. I was never that person to like try to take people under yeah, my way to try to tell them this is what it is. Call me this. That's mm-hmm. not a, that. That wasn't my thing. It's a different generation now. But yeah. um, um, but uh, I remember uh making a decision my my brother he would always tell me like oh you should get baptized now and i'm like i'm not i'm not ready for that because in my mind i'm contemplating because in my mind um and it was this moment where i where this is where the bible came out the bible series back in the day uh i think in 2012 the bible series came out uh i was watching i was watching with my mom and my um constantly and i remember this one time i had this um moment i had this dream and I remember telling, uh, it was like that whole scene with Peter, you know, uh, walking on the water, right? Oh. And I was, and I would, and I remember waking up and hearing the voice of the Lord, so tangible, still knew in the Lord, but I was still able to hear him because even prior to that, I was hearing the Lord. Mm-hmm. I was hearing the Lord when I was in the world. He was always, He's been. Yes. I just never heard. I never yes, listened. I truly believe that. Yes. So, um, 
I remember uh, <laughs> be watching this and I, one night I remember telling the Lord, I don't want to fail you. Yeah. I don't want to fail you. And this is where I'm making the actual big decision of giving my whole life and actually getting baptized and going into that place with the Lord. I said, I don't want to, I don't want to fail you where people are going to look at me. Like, if you're going to save me, save me for real. Like, you know, I, I want to be kept. I don't want to be moved. I want to be here all completely 100 with you. Yeah. I don't want to make you look like you didn't save me. I don't want to make it with people to think like, oh, you're, I'm, he's God's not the real deal because I fell away. Yeah. I, I didn't want to just, uh, I didn't want to make him look bad. Not that we yeah. can't anyways. But I, mean, I, like, I was going to say that. We worry about those things, but God's really not worried about what we yeah, oh, so, we we but I think it's it. a genuine genuineness of our heart dealing with our fallen man nature, you know, all that stuff, right? We have those thoughts and we have those things, but it's the genuineness of it. Yeah. My my mm-hmm. my dialogue with the Lord in that moment. Yeah. And I was like, I was I remember taking a shower and just having those conversations with God, like, is this it? You know, and I remember taking a shower and um I was telling the Lord, I said, um, I want to give my life to you. Um, I made a decision to give my life to him and I was in the shower. My hair is long and I was crying. And I remember telling the Lord that um, I wanted to cut my hair and that this was going to be my sacrifice. Wow. It, was a, it was a sacrifice of, of an old identity of who I used to be. There you go. I wanted, and, and I remember this is not who I want to be. I'm willing to cut this off. If, I'm willing to cut it all off for you because I was so attached to my hair. Ladies, you know, if yeah. you have long hair, you know that how your hair is like, you know, when somebody cuts it wrong. I don't even want to cut my hips. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, it, it was like that. So, I went to the, my, I said, I made a decision. I said, you know what? I The Lord actually um, gave me a dream, too. It was a minister at my church. Um, he showed up in my dream, and all he said was, are you ready? That was it. I woke up. I knew what it was, and I decided to get baptized. Wow. But I remember going to the salon and I telling the lady, the salon lady, cut it off. So she's looking at me like, are you sure? Like, are you sure? Because she's donated to lots of love. It all out. Like, <laughs> she's like, this is nice. <laughs> this is nice. Are you sure you want to cut this off? And then I just said, yeah, I cut it off. She didn't even ask me twice. She said, real quick before I said anything else. And then she mm-hmm. gave me a fade and all that stuff. And I made the decision and I just said, I'm, I'm going to be sold out to you. Whatever this looks like, we're going to do it together. I don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. That is so good that you say that because I think that that's a fear that stops a lot of people is to leave the, the familiar, even though, you know, they might not be um, comfortable with it or they, they know they need something new, but there there's a fear of the unknown that sometimes stops people. And that goes with, with a lot of things, you know, leaving an abusive relationship or, you know, leaving, a, you know, a toxic workplace or, you know, things like that. It's like the fear of what's there and the unknown stops a lot of people. And I've even um, when I was listening to The Body Keeps the Score, uh, the author was writing about how, um, you know, he was working with a, a girl that kept going back to a, the abusive guy right? It's like he would abuse her and she would leave him. But then a few weeks later, she was back because she just, you know, and and this happens to a lot of people who have gone through abuse and and neglect and all that is that there's this familiarity of the known, right? And I wonder how many people, you know, that, that are living this lifestyle are stuck there, right? Are stuck in like the, this is all I've known, right? So they just play it out to the end and and they continue to, you know, suffer, you know, in silence or go through the motions. But um, 
you know, it's, is I'm glad that, that you touched a little bit on that, but oh my goodness. I just, every time I, I, I hear your testimony, it's like a little, I think a little bit more about something else, but, and I have my own questions, but I know that there are some questions that people, uh, people shared. And I want you to ask those. But first, I know there's some, I had asked you, I had asked Tommy, uh, for those of you guys listening um, before we started, if there was any questions that he wishes that more people would ask him when he shares his testimony. Um, I know that sometimes we don't want to impose or we don't want to uh, make him feel off or awkward. So we hold back on some questions, but I'm like, what are some questions that you wish that people would ask you? And honestly, it's like, yeah, those are those questions, right? That people are like, we don't, you know, maybe he's not comfortable answering, but um, I'm glad that you sent them. And one of those questions, Tommy, is that, um, do you still struggle with same-sex attraction? That's such a good question. I know, it is <laughs> a really a, good, question. A good question. I think. Yeah, I, I, I turn that in because there's a lot of stuff that's going out there, right? Um, I mean, again, too, how you said, some people may not want to ask that, like, and I, I want to give honor to um, my my mentor, Jennifer Yves, because she did ask me that ask me that question in regards to at her inner healing and deliverance right um her um institute so dealing with the ssa so ssa is is considered same-sex attraction so the thing is to there's many people that come out of a lifestyle because that's all they were attracted to right um Mm -hmm. that's all they were attracted to so oh i could be attracted to certain things doesn't mean that i have to go out and do certain things with people right so whether if i'm attracted to female doesn't mean i'm gonna go over there and start doing certain things there's just people that we that individuals find attractive and that's pretty much it so the thing is with um, same-sex attraction it's obviously another man looking at another man finding them attractive whatever not in regards to that they want to have sex with them or Mm -hmm. any kind of different types of stuff like that now there's some people where and people really deal with this and they're going through the process of trying to get freedom from that. Now, this this is in regards to where we look at this, uh, the, we look at the Bible where it talks about that we take our thoughts captive, mm-hmm. right? We take our thoughts captive too, because um, so people, there's individuals that deal with SSA. Some are very extreme where it's like, they're constantly dealing with it. And then there's some where it's here and there. They don't, it doesn't bother them. And then there's some people that are like, I don't even think like that anymore. I'm, I, I love my wife, you know, and it's like that. So uh, where I fall out in the spectrum is that it's here and there, but it doesn't bother me. It doesn't yeah. bother to, it doesn't bother me where it's like, oh my God, I'm going to leave the Lord and I'm going to go somewhere else. And this is where I found, find it at because, and especially for the ones that deal with this, if they don't have community, if they don't have a healthy church that they're able to go to and actually talk about this stuff with them, they're going to constantly think it's the enemy. They're going to yeah. constantly think it's the enemy. The thing is too, we're dealing with strongholds now that mm-hmm. they need to be taken down. These things need to be taken down and the enemy will use that to get them in a place to send them back off. Like God didn't save them. We have mm-hmm. to understand, we have to take thoughts captive and, t- and tear these things down. Yeah. So there's, so those are those things where when, even when it tries to, even when it tries to come through, my yeah. thing is like, this ain't my thought. This is not my thought. And Lord, I take this thing captive and I, I make it obedient unto Christ. Anything that tries to set itself up and gets the knowledge of Christ, I begin to cast down. So um, so the in regards to those things, I fell in, into the middle spectrum where it's here and there, but it does not bother me at all. 
And the thing is, um, I definitely want to hit on a few things, if that's all right, Maria, in regards to taking thoughts captives. I have, sure, yes. I have some notes. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But number one, uh, what I would use, and if you have family members or maybe they may need this information or maybe you yourself may be struggling, uh, deal with something like this. I'm not too sure. But um, mm-hmm. so um, step one, too, you're gonna, you have to think about what you think about. Our thoughts are the catalyst that sets our courses. Our thoughts are catalysts that set our courses. So, um, so we have to, we have to begin to figure out where are these thoughts coming from? Whose thoughts are these, right? So we have to, um, and again, too, the easiest thing to do is to let the mind run rapid. We already kind of know, we think of something and we kind of let it run its course and begin to go into that place. But we have to recognize that not every thought is our thought. Yeah. Not every thought is our thought. And the step two is really um, once you thought about what you once you, whatever you thought about in that moment, think about what you think about. And then number two is like when you thought about what you thought about, capture it and begin to quote and, and especially Second Corinthians 10, um, 10, 5. And it says we have the power to capture our thoughts and make them obey Jesus. Right. Making our thoughts capture, make them obey Jesus. And again, two, number three, you want to test your thoughts. You yeah. Have to test your thoughts. Philippians 4 8. Is it true? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it praiseworthy? If it's not, then what is the truth? Those mm-hmm. are the things that we again, if it's not, then take that thing take that thing captive. Mm-hmm. Okay. And number four, you want to decide what to do with that thought. <laughs> what are you gonna do with mm-hmm. that thought? Are you gonna let it sit there? Are you gonna allow it to, to dictate? And really, and especially with a thought like that would tell you, oh, this is what you've always been. This is what you're always going to continue to do. Mm-hmm. No, if it's a lie, you throw that lie away. That lie is not meant for you to have. And this is where um, transgender individuals, you know, they, they, because in my life, I would like, I feel like a boy one week because I would always constantly cut my hair, grow it out, constantly cut it out and grow it out. And this is where you have um, um, people who are dealing with gender confusion. They're constantly, I want to be a, gro- a boy this week. I want to be a girl this week constantly back and forth and they're dealing with this and it's like their feelings are going off feelings and emotions but let me tell you friend that feelings change feelings change and those are those things where it's like uh we can't not let our feelings or our emotions dictate our identity our identity is not in our feelings we don't find our identity in our feelings but we uh, we find our true identity in jesus christ your mic that is so good and another way like to to judge a thought if if the thought is your thought or not it's like it's a thought you don't want to think right it's a thought that you know like in your your will right you've decided i'm not this right i i know i'm not this and i i don't want to think that way but then you keep getting the thought right and you know it it goes against the finished work of christ right and and what christ says about you and it's intrusive, right? Mm. Holy Spirit thought is not going to intrude on you that way, right? Against those things that are, you know, like you mentioned, pure, lovely. And and it's like, and I'm glad that you mentioned that it's not always, you know, the enemy. It's not always a demon. It's a stronghold, right? Mm. It's a stronghold. It's that stronghold trying to keep itself alive. Um, so my um, my guess is that you, you did sometimes still struggle with 
well, not my guess, but just from what you were telling me that you did still sometimes struggle with the same sex attraction, mm-hmm. uh, but you fight that with, with scripture and you fight that with the finished work of Christ that says that you are whole, that you are complete, um, that you have been given identity in Christ and that he does not make a mistake, you know, yeah. when, when he created you, he created you a male. Um, and so that's that's really good that you um that you mentioned that because it is it is a whole answer you know what I mean it's like... yeah you know what and the and the thing is too because people will settle for that I know and I'm not the I'm not the only individual that has been saved from this lifestyle right God is definitely saving individuals from this lifestyle but there's individuals that uh uh they they stand on this is what it is I'm just gonna struggle all my life I'm sorry. I believe that I can find wholeness. I believe that I can right. find real deliverance in this. And this is the thing that I hold God to that. Right. And some people want to live in a, live like that. And that's totally up to them. But I'm thinking like, this is not it all the time. That It's not it. It's like, and, and we go back to, you know, being around healthy, uh, healthy leaders who can um, instruct you in, in the truth. Right. It's like, I'm sorry, man, that's not an abundant life. You know, yeah. God did not you know, Jesus Christ did not come to give you a life of confusion or a life of chaos, a life of addiction, a life of, you know, insert thing here. Right. Um, so it's like, it's important to be around those people who can speak to you with, with truth and, and love at the same time, you know, cause I think the last thing that anybody needs going through this and already having confusion is added condemnation, which yeah. that's a whole nother thing. It's like nobody ever changed somebody's mind by arguing with them, by standing on a street corner and yelling at them that they're wrong and that they're they're broken yeah. or that or <laughs> you know that's not got loving behavior. And I'm sure that's like a whole nother and a whole nother uh interview, Life. you know, talking about <laughs> the type of condemnation and and even shame that um that was imposed on you by other people, right? So it's like nobody needs to be uh, kicked down further into a pit, right? And I feel like that stuff kind of does that. Um, second question. Do you have a desire to get married? <laughs> I love that question. I, I, I love that question. Do I, I, and, I, and this is what I tell people. Honestly, I, I'm like, I'm, it, although I've been serving the Lord for about 10, 11 years already. You know, it's been so long. I don't even know how long I've been serving the Lord. It's, I've been serving the Lord a long time. <laughs> um. <laughs> um do I want to get married? Those are those things that I asked the Lord because I'm like, I'm like, I asked the Lord, I feel like I'm still on this honeymoon with him. Oh, and, that's I'm okay. and, and I'm definitely okay with being single. And those, yeah. those are the things I leave God the opportunity and just like, Lord, I'm open to that. I'm open to marriage. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying my, I'm enjoying my single life. Yeah. I'm enjoying my single life of just me and him and just doing what I'm, I want to do, going where I want to go. And not yeah. that I'm saying that marriage, marriage has its perks and at the same yeah. time and stuff like that. But for me right now, um, my heart's desire is just like, I want to just do the will of the Lord. What, yeah. if, if a wife does come along and that happens, I'm totally up for up for the adventure. Now, yeah. the thing is, I, I, I can see kids, but mm-hmm. I can't see a wife. Oh my gosh. Okay, so there's still some, some things there that you... <laughs> That needs to get, uh, you know, the strongholds of um, truth that need to finish uh, erecting, right? Yeah. Um, because we just, we, you know, we just mentioned that earlier, how uh, it's important to have a balanced lifestyle and a foundation where there's mom and dad, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously there's cases where there isn't mom and dad that are totally un 
controllable, right? Dad, yeah. you know, dad goes to be with the Lord or vice versa, you know, or, you know, unfortunately, sometimes one or the other walks out and you can't help those things. But I don't know if necessarily that's where you want to start. You know what I mean? So um, like with, the, with the, um, with that, when I say like, um, for, and I see, I see a wife, I see kids, but I don't see a wife. And I'm thinking, I, I use it as an indicator that the Lord is preparing her just for me. It's like the kids are a promise and that the wife, the Lord is still working on. And my yeah, thing is yeah. like, I hold on to that because he knows, he already knows the end. He yeah. already knows the beginning from the end. Yeah. So whatever it looks like. And to be honest, those are those things too. I look at too. And yes, God created family. He loves family. He, he's mm-hmm. all about the family unit. And at the mm-hmm. same time too, and it's like, there's individuals that have been single all their life and they're okay with that. And I, yeah. I, I lean on that too. And I say, you know what, Lord, if that's for me, because I'm around single people, single ladies and that they want to get married. Yeah. And that's their heart. And those are those things that I can't, where I, even when I was around conversations, when they were like, I know you want to get married, Tommy. I know you do. And I'm like, I really don't. It's not <laughs> in my heart. It's not, I think it's going to be another, it's going to be another uh, road to Damascus experience, yeah. but not quite like that. Like it is, but like it was like that's where I had to realize too. I can't allow other people to project their feelings off that's of me because right. now I'm that's feeling right. like, yeah, maybe because that's the that's and honestly, people use that as a thing too. It's like, well, that's just an obvious answer. Everybody wants to get married. Well, no, no that's not that's true. Not right? Not everybody <laughs> that's not does. true. <laughs> and I'm okay. And I'm okay with. I'm okay being yeah. in that section for right now, and I'm gonna celebrate it. And we go back to. Least... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, and and it goes back to you know, back to where, where I started, where I was telling you like how it is important to have a good foundation. Well, yeah, that's important. You have to want to get married and you have to actually be in love with the other person for it to work out. Right. So, you know, no one being pressured into marriage ever has worked out well for, you know, (laughs) people. And I'm telling you because I, you know, I've had my, a failed first marriage. So I know See, you know Tina, like. Tina knows what she's talking about. She said that he don't want to share his coffee right now. And I, I know <laughs> he does not. He likes his co- and he likes his coffee hot still. <laughs> it's like once you get married and once you start having kids, you just better start drinking iced coffee because you're yes. never gonna finish it. I'm enjoying my singleness. I, ce- <laughs> I now, honestly, I I celebrate my singleness. I, you know, I celebrated with yeah. other singles in my church. I gathered yeah. them together, all the singles, and we celebrate. We're just like, let's go hang mm-hmm. out, like you know. But I love it. And it's a a great season too, because it's a season of discovery where you're still, you know, discovering yourself. You're still getting to know your identity. You're still, you know, walking with the Lord. And you're, I mean, I I would say that if it's not in your radar right now and all of a sudden it happens, well, that was the Lord, you know what I mean? And and he did that. So, um, but I'm glad that you, that you answered that question, honestly, and you weren't pressured to answer (laughs) what people want to (laughs) hear. And then, um, so I have other questions from other people and I know that we're going a little bit over an hour now. So, um, just let me know. No, I'm totally fine. Let's go. Okay. All right. Um, Abigail asked, how did you process the past to move forward to the future without feeling guilty about the past? Uh. Man, I, I think we kind of hit on that in regards to, I mean, you kind of hit it. on that with um, like the guilt and shame of stuff. Yeah. Like, again, just like anybody else, we go through the process. I realized, oh my God, I can't believe I dealt with this, you know, yeah. those, and this is a good honest question because some people still deal with guilt and shame after being mm-hmm. saved for so many years because, yeah. you know, of things that they may have done 
and really releasing the shame and guilt of all that. You know, yeah. I, I, I believe I released the shame and guilt of all that, of what I did, of my encounters. There's sometimes I'm thinking like, dang, I think back, but I, I really, when I think back on certain things that I've done, I just look back on the grace of God that his hand was in it. Come like, on. Because there were several, there were several encounters that I got in, like, where it's like, it could have been ugly to where I could have got murdered yeah. or because people knew I wasn't a guy, those different types of encounters, you know, and, um, and my thing is like, um, God's grace was in that moment to where I, now I'm now being saved. I know like, oh shoot, something bad could happen, but it didn't. Yeah. But as far as in moving forward, I, it was something that I just embraced. I, I was always around a lot of good people, Bible studies, community. And I think that's what keeps people grounded. When you have, when you're, when you're walking this Christian life with people, it's so much better. Yeah. You're trying to And I think when you run, uh, run solo and anything, you're kind of just left open. You need, yeah. you need community. You need people to be around and like tell you like, this is not, even if I, did I struggle with guilt? Yeah, that was the whole process of that. And it was like a whole shedding of uh, becoming, and dealing with two, coming out of a lifestyle of gender confusion, this whole cocoon of who I thought it was. But now I'm now I'm emerging into this sunship, this butterfly, right? Mm-hmm. All of that, I, I had to go through the, the crushing and the breaking off of all that stuff. So when you look at the butterfly and just uh, the metamorphosis of all of that, that's how I just see my life. Of all the, because literally they die inside the cocoon. Yeah. They literally get all that stuff, but that's what was my process and how God had me because mm-hmm. all of that had to be di- that had to be dead and gone yeah. for me to come into the new. You know, when I went into the waters too, you know, uh, He who is in Christ is as a new creation, right? So the, all those stuff uh, that old man yeah. buried was buried dead, long gone. It came out the new man, but um, yeah. I had to walk. Oh, yeah. out, I had to walk out that identity, and it wasn't. We just don't come like. Like all of a sudden we're in sunshine. We know who we are in Christ. No, we know. Yeah. Oh Christ. my gosh. No. Knowing him, when you know him, when you know not just who you are, but whose you are, that's the thing. Yeah. You know yeah. whose you are, then nothing else will fail you. And it gives you an anchor. You know what I mean? Because no matter what you're feeling, like you were mentioned earlier, your feelings and you know, everything else, it's like that's not that's not the truth. You know what I mean? The truth is that you've been forgiven. The, the truth is that you've been washed clean, that you're a new creation. And so the shame and the guilt is over things that are in the past that, you know, you no longer deal with that died with the old man, you know? And um, I also think about how uh, I read this in Jennifer Evans's book, which, you know, you recently did the book study on, um, you know, how shame tells you, this is who you are and but guilt tells you what you did was wrong right so it's like you know once you identify like what i'm feeling feeling ashamed well you know what that's not who i am i know who i am right i'm a new creation i'm a new person i've been washed clean i've been you know made right so it's kind of like okay that's a stronghold part you know uh breaking that down or or releasing it um and casting it off with the truth so that's really good um that you know it's something that you you're aware of and you you know how to handle um another question oh after turning your life around what kind of criticism from if any did you deal with and this is from erica alvarado uh yes actually i i have and even until this day you know, really? my testimony is so um, counterculture. 
it goes against the grain. So especially if anybody's in Christ, you know, they're gonna hate they're gonna hate you for his namesake. And then the, the thing right. is too, and when you're representing Jesus, and not everybody's feel no, not everybody feels Jesus. Not everybody wants to know who Jesus is, all that stuff. So now when you get a a test have a testimony like mine that goes against counter that's going against uh, the culture. Yeah. Of saying that the this is what it is, gender confusion is a new thing, and this is what it is. It's always gonna be like this. And um, but yeah, it, you're gonna get that. You're gonna get pushback. You're gonna get pushback. And yes, I do receive that. Um, but in regards to my family, um there was a few that said some stuff in regards mm-hmm. to um now that I've come, especially when it came into disagreements, they would all automatically go back to well, you were a faggot, you know, you were this and this and this and that, whatever, stuff like that. So the thing Her. is, the, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, so yeah, so they, they would always, and and when you're mad, you're going to say stuff like that. I give, I get that because I used to be that person. When I was mad, I'll say all kind of stuff to cut you up. Like, you know, I get it. They're in, a, they're saying it from an angry, hurt place. And that's, that, that's something that they will deal with. But yeah. there was other times where my family would come to me and tell me, because when I came to the Lord, they, were, they saw many people in my family serving the Lord and fall away. You know, one day in church, then the next day they're doing their thing out in the club and doing yeah. all this. Stuff. That's what they saw. So people were watching me. I had people from Seattle watching me talking about, is this, the, is Tommy living a legit life? Is this yeah. what it really is? People were talking about me. The thing is that even my brother pulled me, um, I remember hanging out with my brother one day. And um, he pulled me out. To, we were actually swimming in this pool and then whatever. And he's like, bro, he's like, I just want to let you know, I was in the Lord for three years. People have been watching me for a long time to see mm-hmm. if I was a legit, if I was yeah. legit. Mm-hmm. And um, he told, he pulled me to the side. He said, let me know. He's like, you know, brother, he's like, you're, he's like, you're the real story. You're the, you're the you're legit story because he's like, I can't tell, even my dad to this day, my dad's not saved yet, but he will be. Um, um, he tells me he in the moments when he talks, he's like, I don't know what happened. I don't know how how it happened. Like, Come on, he, Dad. Yes <laughs> and I'm like, all the in between was Jesus, right? All the in between, all this stuff happened was because of Jesus. Like, because yeah. he was like, I don't know how you went from this to this. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And it's like the, the encounter that they need to have. And I was just like, Jesus is the yeah. one that did this. Like, this is what the it carnal is. mind can't comprehend. <laughs> yeah. So, and it leaves people like, what? And, but I always hear conversations of family members telling me like, oh my God, I can't believe Tommy's living this life now with the Lord. Like they yeah. thought I was not, uh, many thought I was a lost cause. I even had people within my family members telling my mom, like, why did, why did God save him and not me? Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it's like, it's not god shows no favoritism he's yeah. there if yeah. you want him yeah right yeah. all you have to do is extend your yes like, but i think people. too is is that's a whole nother thing yeah it's a whole nother topic but i mean it's just the awareness of salvation right like sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't feel like anything different right it's yeah. like but you have to acknowledge that that's who you are now and who you're with like who you are in now you're in christ now so it's like you ever thought about maybe you are saved because you know I mean? yeah. <laughs> he's not going to deny you you know what i'm saying um so next question um okay you already answered this one uh you already answered this one this is a good one but let me hide the other one <laughs> sorry okay why do you think that many lgbtq lgbt plus who seek the lord for transformation are not successful 
often feel guilt and just continue to embrace their false identity. So we kind of hit on, um, I'll say we kind of hit on that with the whole SSA. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they they still have these lingering, maybe these thoughts, Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to um, release to people what they're feeling because now they're living like, I had an encounter. They have a real encounters with Jesus. I know they do. But they don't have no safe space to tell people I'm still struggling because maybe they have in their mind thinking it's like, oh, I I should already have it all together. Now, I see the thing is many people feel like they go from gay to straight. Yeah, I gotta go good gay from straight, gay to straight, gay to straight, and they're now they're still looking at gender. They're mm-hmm. still looking at the, they're still, and it's like no, we go from we go from unsaved to now we're saved. We go from yeah. from being redeemed, right? That's yeah. that we're going from you know lost to now being the son in Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's not about a gender. It's not about all that other stuff. We're going from so one good. way to now living a holy life. That's and, so. And, living, and while in living in a holy life, we begin the Lord begins to begin to give us new desires. He begins to yeah. give us new desires and it's exchanging those things for new ones. So, mm. um, so people struggle with actually not really finding a place and really sharing because they feel like I got to put on this facade, like, yeah. you know, like I'm straight now. And it's like, if, no, you're, if you're such, no. God may, God may eradicate all that old stuff from you. Yeah. He made, he will. And the thing is, too, that people are still walking up the process of all that mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like, just they need to um, find people they can trust and deal with when it comes to stuff like that. And it really cheer them on in the midst of like, no, there's more for you. Like, let's, yeah. get, some, let's get some inner healing. Let's. Yes, know. definitely. Don't just enter the door of salvation and stand at the stand yeah. at the doorway, you know. Um, but it, you mentioned something that reminds me of, of something my mentor, uh, Ryan Pina, says is that the old man is dead. Um, he says that the Lord said to this to him, you know, one time was that the old man is dead, but the unrenewed area, there's unrenewed areas of your thinking that are still very much alive. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, yeah, the moment that you receive salvation, the old man died, but there's still that process of renewing your mind. And, and even, you know, the inner healing and the deliverance portion, right? It's just, you have to step in the door and walk all the way in, right? And just, and get everything that's been entitled to you um, as a son, as an heir. So that's, that's really good. And so thank you for adding that element to that, that question. Um, and then another question, last question. Did the old relationships try like H-E double hockey sticks, like hell to hinder or pull you back into bondage. <laughs> let me tell you, let, before I even gave my thoughts to the Lord, like there was several times where my mom asked me, because my again, my mom will serve the Lord and then she'll kind of backslide all that stuff. But mm-hmm. her, her heart was genuine and wanting to go in that place, right? So she would always minister to my my gay friends when we when we were when I would come home. But I'm like, mom, leave them alone. <laughs> just so when I go to the restaurant, she was like, do you know Jesus? All this, all this. So she was giving it to them. I love my mom for it, right? <laughs> and they were just, I love my mom for it. And, you know, this is not it for you guys. You know, she was just that lady. Yeah. And um, she would ask me too if I want to get myself to the Lord. And I'm like, I would do it and just repent and ask God forgive me, all this other stuff. I'm all for the sake for her, not really wanting to build a relationship with Jesus. I just did it because I wanted to please her. Yeah. You know, it's your mom, you know, like, why would you say no to your mom? You know, yeah. that. <laughs> But dealing with um, 
I'll say a story then, but yes, the friends, there were several times where I did really want to change my life around. There, there was one particular moment, this is while I was living in the life where I was, I called all my friends and told them I really didn't want to hang around with them anymore mm-hmm. because I wanted to go into knowing who Jesus was. Like I wanted to, I, I had a desire to want to change. I just didn't know how to. Yeah. And, but now after coming and actually coming out, out, uh, out of that lifestyle, living a life for the Lord, um, there was, um, no, I haven't, I, dealing with the whole drugs, and I'll share this with you. Maybe I never shared this with anybody because dealing with, especially going back into bondage, because yes, I, I was, a, uh, I did crystal meth, but I was also a drinker and I was a smoker, mm-hmm. um, cigarettes. So there was there was a time where I even tested the Lord if he really did deliver me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, didn't go, I didn't go back into a place, oh, did you test me from like out of that lifestyle? No, I was like, I ain't trying to go back to that. But yeah. I told the Lord one moment, I was like, did you really deliver me from cigarettes? And I was like, um, I told my dad one day, I was, uh, went to go pick my mom up for work. I go, dad, give me a cigarette. And he's like, ooh, I'm telling the church on you. He <laughs> <laughs> just didn't want to share. <laughs> give me a freaking cigarette, right? So I grabbed the cigarette and then I had it in the, had it in the car. I went, to, I was on my way to go pick my mom. I'm looking at it back and forth, like looking back and forth, like, am I going to do this? Am I going to do this or not? And I'm conversating with the Lord. Did you really do it? Like, you know, and, um, I remember grabbing it and I lit it and I began to take a smoke and I'm like, and it felt like I literally shoved the whole cigarette in my mouth and I was chewing on it and my mouth got, like, so, oh, yeah. dry. got <laughs> so dry and I felt like I was chewing on tobacco and I knew in that moment I lost every desire. This was not for me. I there you up. go. And um, that's but- right, Abby. The Lord said, try me. <laughs> <laughs> they're like this is disgusting so uh-huh. i did i did he delivered me from that but to the can uh to the question did anybody like try to bring me back old bondages no um again too to sit there uh so gradually my friends moved to vegas so i didn't have a lot of connections in fresno so I didn't have a lot of connections to people. So it seemed like God eradicated relationships. Yeah. Although I'm still, I'm not in contact with them, but I'm still, um, I don't, uh, I know where there are. I know how to find yeah. them. They know how to find me. Yeah. But they were just no longer a part of yeah. your, your new season of where you were. Because you know, I knew a lot of people in doing drugs and all that stuff and they just fell off. That was one of my worries too. Like, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid, like, because I had a lot of enemies and, the, and that's what I'm saying when I always used to fight. I was always finding the, whether it feels at a gay, gay club or whatnot. Um, my thing is like, am I going to see them on the street now that I'm saving? Mm. Oh, how am I going to handle this? Yeah. Uh, how I'm going to handle is I'm going to throw the <laughs> I'm going to throw these hands. Don't play with me. <laughs> now, so I was just like. But I have to say, you know, when the Lord, the Lord saves you, he saves you for real. He removes all your enemies, yes, right? Yes. So, and I'm like, it's been cool, but I haven't really, <laughs> I haven't seen anybody that I normally did. Um, to be honest, too, when I, after I got, after I had my encounter, of course, the enemy tried to break, drag me back. And that's mm-hmm. where this, this comes, because the enemy did try to drag me back. And when I say that, because I was having demonic dreams, uh, yeah. being tor- tormented, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. However... Um, I remember my friend got in contact with me and I remember going into a place of getting dressed up again. Here we go. And this mm-hmm. is the thing, going through the process. This is the process where it's making the the, the, the ultimate decision. I had my encounter repented, all that stuff. And that does not make it valid. It yeah. made it to a pivotal point to where I had to make a decision and I knew what it was. So there was a time where I got dressed. I dressed up, I went to the club with my friend and I remember I, was, uh, I wasn't I was on drugs. 
I remember I was drinking and um, I remember my friend, he told me, he's like, um, there was this, whatever. Anyways, there was this guy there or whatever. And he was just like, no, don't do it. Don't go, don't go, whatever and whatever. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking like, why are you hating or whatever? But I look at it now, like that was the grace of God that my, that the Lord stepped in to not allow me to go into that place. Right. Yeah. So from that moment, that was the last time I got in contact with anybody after that. Like, it just seemed like everything just died off of me. Like it, yeah. it kind of went into a place where I had to give in. I had to let all these things go. And I made up in the decision to where all the repentance was real because I'm like, now I'm dealing with like, yeah. uh, the conviction and yeah. the conviction of everything else. So I already had the Holy Spirit before I even got baptized, before I was in baptized, all that stuff. So I already, I was already, I already, so the Holy Spirit was already in me. Yes, yes. So I'm like, um, but yeah, no, after that, nothing no more. And I thank God for that because um, some people, they fall into those traps, you know, when old things come around for them. And it's like, we have to be aware because those things are real. Those are just, you know, um, setups, but. And yeah. how important was the the new community you had, and to you actually staying free? So the poor. So for instance, especially anybody that's dealing with any kind of stuff like this that comes out, you have to you have to live a life of of worship. You yeah. have to live a life of worship. You have to live a life of consecration. A life. A, you, this is pivotal because there's people that don't deal with these these type of things, whether if it's the mm-hmm. SSA that don't deal with this. And they're just cool. They don't struggle with anything. They're married. They're whatever. Yeah. And they're just going about. They don't struggle with the, the same things like this. So mm-hmm. an individual that does with it, they have to put themselves in a place of worship. They have to put themselves in as the places of an intercessor. Going into mm-hmm. church with that, what that did for me in my church, where um, because there was people that wanted a fellowship with me, I'm like, I didn't want no part of them. I was like, man, I didn't want no part of you Christians. I'm just want to come here and do church, and just because I just didn't, want, I didn't like people in my space. I was yeah. about myself. So there was one sister all the time and she was, <laughs> I love her. She's probably, I think she's in your group too. <laughs> really? <laughs> she, she would always tell me, I'm like, I don't want no party. I was like, I don't want a party. I don't want it. She was like, let's fellowship, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. And I really don't want to. But I don't know what that is. Me in regards to continue to work on him, like work on him, like, you know, yeah. um, in regards to fellowship. So she kind of taught me how to pray. And we would gather, we'll have intercession together with other mm-hmm. believers. We would pray, get into Bible, Bible studies. I would have Bible studies in my house. There was three years in my in my in my early in my salvation, three years in the beginning, where I didn't have no job. I didn't have mm-hmm. no job at all. God had me like that. And I was in constant in his word. I was in constant. That's where we go into Romans 12, uh, 12 1 and 2 by the mm-hmm. root of your mind, right? Yeah. Getting that eat it. That, that <laughs> I mean, because I had to get all that way of thinking out. Yeah. All the way of thinking out, yeah. and really, it kind of built that relationship with the Lord, built me, but it took intercession to keep me. Yeah, that's so good. Yes. The agreement. But many of them didn't know that I was, and I didn't really share none of my thoughts that I was dealing with, the stuff that yeah. I thought about, like the like if I there was a thought or the struggle, I I I didn't share, I didn't really share any of that um, with a lot of people. And the thing is, and until and, uh, and I'll be honest, until twenty twenty. Yeah, like you know, like this is something that I doubt, but it wasn't. And again, too, like I said, it was here and there because I already recognized what it was. I knew it wasn't from God. Ever right. since when I when I started serving the Lord, I was like, "This ain't Him." This is, and I would constantly just go into prayer. I was I was keeping mm-hmm. myself in that place, 
And but um now I'm open about it because there's people that that are dealing with that and they need yeah. they need the help. So why would I be silent on something that people deal with, right? Yeah. And can yeah. it be eradicated? Yes, I totally believe 100 percent it can. And those yeah. are the, those are the things I stand on. But it yeah. definitely took me into the place of um, praying. But how, there is another brother at my church who actually got delivered from this lifestyle as well, too. So I have I have somebody I could talk to in regards yeah, to that. Good. So the thing is with this, let me tell you. So me and him, we're 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 like uh, we're like Paul and Silas, right? So um, the thing is, while we were in the world, we actually came across each other. I don't remember him, but he remembers me. But the thing is, we fought. We fought in the club. But now, oh my goodness! But now, we... but now we're serving the Lord together, and we we do we do ministry together. Sometimes we we go yeah, we go so to good. we go to conferences together with other sisters and brothers, and oh you know he's in, we're in church together, and um, wow. honestly, he knows how to bring things full circle. But God will partner you with other people that are yeah. able to where you're able to have communication with. Maybe you don't want to share with other people. Right, maybe yeah. you can't share it with your pastor, or, or maybe you can't share it with uh, another brother, or your family, yeah. your mom, or whatever. But God will bring someone alongside you to begin to, uh, whether if they're sharing the same experience, we live the same lifestyle. Mine was yeah. a little different than his, but uh, but at the same time, still, it was the same thing. And those are the things where it's like, hey, bro, can you give me a prayer? And we just go, we just bounce off each other when it That's comes so to good. when it comes to studies like this. So That's really good, and it, I think it's amazing that. You know, even that you that you say that that God will bring those people to you, um, because I think that's another thing that uh, it stops people from making the decision to to um, walk in sonship or to come leave that lifestyle is that you know I'm leaving everything right, like I'm you know the people I know or I'm gonna lose relationships etc. But God is is faithful to bring those people into your life that are gonna help you to stay on track, you know. But Lastly, and this is a question that you said that that you wish more people asked is, um, what can I what can I pray for my son or daughter, or even family member who is living in the sexual uh, the homosexual lifestyle? What can I pray? I know those are those things. I know somebody was asking her who was that. Uh, I think Tisha. Yeah, Tisha Mac. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, one of the things is I love because there's people that know Jesus, they have they had a relationship with them, and they left the they left mm. knowing him to go back into the world. I have a brother who's who's living a homosexual lifestyle. Mm. He, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, knows God, all that stuff, but he fell back. He he backslid. How many of us know that Jesus loves the backsliders, right? Jesus loves them, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And we know this through the prodigal son. And this is a prayer guideline that I created. And maybe Maria, I can send it to you. You can post it in your group yes. in regards to what, what the Lord has revealed to me. And, and I mentioned this at a conference before and what the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit was actually sharing with me in regards to Luke chapter 15, verses 17, where we see the prodigal son and we see him squandering all his all his inheritance, all this other stuff, right? But we see in verse 17, and I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Mm-hmm. So there, in that portion, in that first sentence, when he came to his senses, the Holy Spirit began mm-hmm. to breathe on it. And I began to think of our five natural senses, our taste, touch, smell, hear, and our, uh, I think, our sight. So the Lord began to tell me that a lot of a lot of individuals, their senses were hijacked. That made wow. them believe. That made them believe 
that the world had something to better offer them than what Christ could ever offer them. And so the Lord began to share with me that that was the, the thing that I had to pray for, for specific individuals was to pray for their five senses, their taste, their sight, their smell, their touch. And um, what's the other one? Their, their smell, I believe. Oh, yeah, wow. all five of them. And the reason why I say that too, because the Bible talks about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the yeah. eye and the pride of life, all this different types of stuff. But also there's, a, there's other scriptures in Romans where it talks about they, they, they're dealing with the sensuality. People were drawn away by their sensuality, dealing with sensuality. So I definitely want to drop more of those scriptures. Um, I'll, and maybe I'll send it to Maria or maybe I'll post it myself. But in regards to Luke 15, 17, when he came to the census, the Lord gave me this outline to begin to pray for them. The Bible talks about in the book of Job's where it says that Job made a covenant with the Lord with his eyes that he would not lust after young women. Mm. There's some covenants we have to make with our eyes. There's actually an app that's called Covenant, Covenant Eyes. And it's actually if those who maybe deal with pornography or deal with certain websites that they keep falling onto where they're able to connect their information to a friend, a trusted friend's information. So it leaves it have an accountability where their friend is able to check their stuff to see if they're not jumping on stuff they're not supposed to. So, wow. so it's pretty, it's, it's a good, it's pretty good. I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I don't have issues with that, but there's some people that may have some stuff like that, but it's called covenant eyes. Covenant um, I don't know eyes. if you guys have heard of that. Maybe that's something you guys can look at. You guys can pass it on to some people that may struggle with certain things. It doesn't have to be pornography. Maybe it could just be some different types of stuff, you know, or whatever. But I think that's what it's mainly geared for. But um, that prayer, those are those prayers. And I'm, tr- I'm trying to look for my prayer outline. I created this prayer outline specifically targeting the five senses and, and really inserting your family's name in regards to the scriptures, because that's what we have to do. We have to pray God's word, right? The Bible says that God sent his word that he may heal us. He sent his words that we may be healed. So when we begin to pray them, we're able, we're praying God's scriptures. We're praying his word out. But we're putting mm-hmm. our, our family members' names to them. So yeah. uh, I definitely want to give that to you. I can't find it right now to start praying it's over. Okay. We can, I can post it in the group later. And um... I definitely want to build off of that. And the only reason why, because uh, I will definitely build off of it. But so when people ask me, like, what can I pray? What can, what can I pray? I usually submit that to them. Like, pray this. And mm-hmm. people people been seeing some stuff happen. You know, there's an individual uh, that's one of my friend, uh, friends' lists. Uh, her daughter messaged her and told her, like, mom, I, I can't live like this anymore. Like, you know, and her mm-hmm. mom and deep prayer for her daughter living in a, a living in a lesbian lifestyle. And, wow. and, you know, so the Lord's working on her. She's like, I'm, I just feel lost. I need to come home. I just she knows the Lord. So those are those things mm-hmm. like there's people out there that that um, that are struggling, like they're on the brinks of this like struggles. Like, I, I know this is I know this is wrong. I just I don't know how to get rid of it. I just don't yeah. know how to deal with this. Yeah. And I would also say that, you know, if you have a loved one who is struggling with this, it's like um, create a space for them where you can be, um, I guess, a walk in testimony of Jesus, right? Where you're loving on them, where you're, you're, you're creating a space where they can be open to you and they can, um, you know, talk to you and share with you what their thoughts are, what their feelings are, what they're, what they're struggling with. And that it would be a place without shame or condemnation or guilt, or even with you even trying to steer the conversation into salvation or into, uh, 
you know, repentance or anything. It's really just for you to, to listen, right? And just for you to like hear them out. And then I think eventually it, it will naturally evolve into a point where you share, you know, the Lord with them or where, you know, they might change their mind. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of people struggling with anything really is they need to be heard, right? They just want to be heard. And some of us are outward processors, right? Where we hear ourselves like in our thoughts, once we start speaking and then you, it clicks like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe like, I think this way or, you know what I mean? Um, so I think that's just another side, you know, aside from prayers, but also declarations. I think if you're a parent, especially if you're a parent, oh my gosh, your your decrees and declarations over your children are like massively like important. That's that's the same as identity. Like how uh, Adam gave a name to the animals, right? He declared it, like he he spoke it out, and he gave them identity, right? He gave them a name, and it's the same way for us as parents, right? We know um, we know our kids' identities. We know the truth about them. If you don't start with their name, what does their name mean, right? Start declaring that, right? Start decreeing, you know that that they are healthy, that they are whole, that they are walking in identity and everything that it is, you know, we know, we know our kids, right. Um, what, what they're really called for, what they're meant to. And it's usually the opposite of what they're doing, right. <laughs> if your kid's being on that head, chances are that your kid was, is a brilliant, you know, genius, probably the next, next uh, Nikolai Tesla or something, you know what I mean? But it's like, you already know like, oh, okay. So that's the thing that the enemy is trying to corrupt. So start declaring those things. So if you have a loved one going through that, begin to declare, not, not just pray for them. Obviously prayers, obviously pray, but also declare, declare it out loud. You know, so-and-so is, is uh, walking in identity is walking in purity is walking with the Lord. So-and-so knows Jesus, etc. And that's just my own, my own thoughts of what you could do. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to see. I don't think I have any more questions. I'm looking in the comments and I don't see that anybody. Um, oh, okay, uh, Tisha just mentioned that God has been troubling his dreams. Um, I just want to say something there, uh, Tisha. Um, I don't think that God troubles your dreams. I don't think that troubling dreams are necessarily from the Lord. Um, but those are, are, but the Lord can definitely give him dreams. And so I would pray for him instead is that the Lord would encounter him in a dream um, to show him him, right? So Tommy mentioned earlier when he was uh, given his testimony that he suddenly saw and that he suddenly saw himself the way how he had been, uh, you know, walking and, you know, all the stuff he'd been doing and he saw it as, oh, wrong. And it brought him to a place of repentance, right? So it's like, what if he's dreaming even if it's a nightmare you know he's dreaming so you can ask the lord to begin to interfere those nightmares with dreams from his heart or from his thoughts of him right and show him um kind of like a a prophet nathaniel did to to uh, david right came and gave him a parable about this awful man right that killed you know an innocent and it was like oh my gosh what a terrible person right i'm absolutely paraphrasing but he got he got to see himself as in that picture so ask the lord to give him a dream where he will begin to see himself you know walking in that lifestyle that he can get it and capture like oh my gosh that's not who i am like that's not how it's supposed to be and i've had those dreams too where i see parts of me that are flawed and it's like 
it, it, it churns my stomach. Like, I can't believe I'm like that, or I can't believe I still do that. Or that's an area God wants to work on. So ask the Lord to, um, to show him that and to show him that in a dream, but also just to bombard him with love, right? Love covers a multitude of sin, right? So just ask the Lord, Lord, just begin to like bombard him with love in your dreams that he knows that he's a child of God and he's loved because he, the truth is he is loved, right? Even though he might be walking in, you know, in, in that part of his life right now, um, he is loved and that's always going to be true. So yeah, Tommy, anything? Um, sp speaking of dreams, we have this event coming up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Sisha, for the, for just talking about that. But we are, we definitely do have a dream event. Me, Maria, and Anna, Abigail. So, yeah. Anyways, I just thought I'd Yes, we do on on uh, <laughs> Saturday tomorrow at yeah. 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific. 7 p.m. Central, we're going to be doing dream interpretation. And actually, Tisha, it would be amazing. Like, if you ask phenomenal. Your brother, just, yes. If ask you ask your brother. Your, yes. Ask your brother to share one of those dreams with you. And if he doesn't mind, you know, you know, share that you share it with others and we could interpret it for him. You know, um, I think people would be so cool, like, especially to the, for let's just say the people that don't know, like, Christians can dream interpret, you know, because you usually hear new age or whatever. Like, yeah. you know, it is so cool when when people don't know and they stumble upon us. It's like, what is this? You know, and it's, especially when when the when the when the Lord begins just to unveil the truth of of a dream, right? So yes. the thing is, so yeah, Tisha, ask him. Like, just be like, you know what? There's this uh, there's Facebook dream um, dream interpretation thing. Like, hey, bro, have you been dreaming? Have you been dreaming lately? And it was so late. What's what you what, what's the latest dream you had? And if it's okay, you mind if I share it with some um, some people that are doing dream yeah. interpretation and whatever? And you yeah. can screen record it and send it to him. Yes, that's true. And we don't always have to. Um, you know, that's just another a side note. It's like we don't have to interpret dreams uh, overtly, right? We could interpret dreams covertly without actually, you know, using Christianese as they call it, and that in a way that the person's defenses are are not, you know, put up, and then they can receive it. Um, right. And the Lord will speak through us and the Lord will speak through that as well. Right. We don't have to necessarily say God said, you know, um, so if that would be amazing if if you shared if he would share a dream with you that you could share with us. But yeah, guys, man, I've had a lot of fun, like getting to know uh, more of Tommy's story and hearing the answer to these questions. And I just want to thank you guys for being on with us tonight, for hanging out with us, for participating in the chat and uh you know, for sending in your questions. I, I pray that any part of tonight's testimony or all of it has touched you, um, that it would touch somebody you love. If you know somebody um, that would benefit from listening to this or, or um, you know, might need to hear Tommy's testimony, like who doesn't, <laughs> share this with them, invite them into the group. Um, but also in about a week or so, this will be posted on um, my YouTube page or it'll go on to my uh, podcast. So um, it'll be public, but if if you would like to invite them into the group where they all feel safe to ask questions, please go ahead and do that. And yeah, Tommy, any final thoughts um, before we go out? Actually, I'm like stumbling on myself. Let the people know where they can find you, one. Mm -hmm. And then two, give us uh, just final thoughts. Um, you can find me on my personal page. Um, it's Tommy John, um, Tommy John Mota, M-O-T-A. Just look for the blue check. That's me. Um, also, I do have a ministry page. It's called Grace to Change. That's a story in itself, but I, lo I love my ministry page. 
Um, that one's geared towards really talking about certain topics like this. Usually I do like testimony Thursdays and stuff like that. So I do a whole bunch of ministry stuff on there. Um, also, um, I recently did a 700 Club interview um, this past, uh, I, I filmed last month, but they posted it on April 6th. April 6th, and um, it's on YouTube. Um, you don't have to watch the whole TV show. It has my own clipping on there. Dealing with gender confusion, dealing with gender confusion, and you know, uh, pretty much coming into a place of wholeness in Christ. Um, so it's definitely out. I definitely post it on the page. Yeah. But my final thoughts is just love on your family, love on your family because I, especially when we see individuals that don't maybe look like you. Now, people who are dressing as a as a woman, they look like a man. They they still look like a man, still dressing like a woman. Sometimes it could be a little awkward. I get it. It can look awkward trying to talk or to socialize. And the thing is, well, how do we engage with the LGBTQ community? I'll leave you with this. My final thought um, is do what Jesus did. He was moved by compassion. And if that's the area where we lack in, just ask the Lord to give you more compassion for people. When he began to see people that were broken, hurting, and that needed healing, the Bible says that he was moved by compassion. So mm -hmm. I just want to pray that Christ moves you in compassion for those who don't maybe look like you, or it's kind of difficult to conversate with you, uh, conversate mm -hmm. with people like that, you know? So, Marina, is it right if I pray over the people? Yes, please. All right. So, Father, I just thank you. I just thank you, and I just pray that you would just release a new, fresh uh, a, a new fresh grace over us of compassion, Lord, that we're able to minister and look past, look past the the natural and see the spiritual, see the individual soul, see their soul. And Lord God, that we begin to be not just kingdom builders, but Father, that we begin to just snatch individual souls out of out of a place of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of light. This is what we want to take territory for your kingdom, Lord. And Father, let us do that by just um, communicating with folks while loving on them and just and just giving them you, just presenting you, Lord, and just nothing else, no arguments, no try to win a trying to win an argument. We just want to give them your truth and your grace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let it be so. Thank you so much, Tommy, for being with us. We appreciate you and for sharing your heart with us and your testimony. Guys, until next time, goodbye. Well, our time together is up. Thank you so much for sowing the seed of time with me. If this message has blessed you, I ask that you share it with somebody you love. Like the podcast, rate it, or follow. I also pray as you go that the Lord would bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you. Amen. Until next time, goodbye.